Hello there, uh, I'm Keaton Jones, I'm an academic junior doctor and I'm here with Dr Tim Watkins and today we're going to talk about epidurals briefly. Um, the reason we're going to talk about these is because there's something that you may encounter as a junior doctor on the surgical wards as an example. We're going to talk about what they are, why we use them, some of the problems with using them and briefly how to manage these in clinical practice. So first of all, thanks for talking to us today. No worries. Um, so could you just tell me what an epidural is? An epidural is a technique that anaesthetists use to put local anaesthetic, typically, um, in the epidural space in patients' backs to provide uh, analgesia and anaesthesia uh, for, for patients. So it's often used in surgical patients, um, but can also be used, for instance, in the obstetric um, population group for um, labour pain relief. Before we go on to um, expand on that, there's just one thing that is in my head, and that's the difference between a spinal and an epidural. I hear people talking about both. Is there just a quick way of differentiating between those? Sure. Um, spinal anaesthetics are similar. They carry similar risks, but are typically a uh, one-shot injection. And the injection itself goes a slight depth further into the patient, into the subarachnoid um, space, which has the CSF um, fluid around the nerves and therefore it has a different effect, rapid onset and so forth, but it also wears off. With an epidural, the, the point at which the local anaesthetic sits is slightly further out, it doesn't circulate within the um, subarachnoid space um, and typically there's a catheter, plastic tube that is left there that allows local anaesthetic to be continually administered to prolong the analgesic effects, possibly for several days. Okay, um, and then when you first put in an epidural in the anaesthetic room, for example, what might some of the problems be? Obviously, it is a technical uh, procedure. It can be difficult to do in some patients, so failure is a, mm -hmm. is a possibility. Um, patients can have vasovagals during the procedure and so forth, so you need to have a, a safe and monitored environment for the patient to be able to do these procedures. Um, there are complications. Epidurals can cause blood pressures to fall, especially on the first doses, mm -hmm. and therefore that's something that needs to be monitored. There are risks of specific types of headache that can be generated from the use of um, needles in people's backs, um, and that, that's a, called a post-dural puncture headache. It's got an incidence of about 1 in 100 to 1 in 300 people as an average. There's also risks, theoretically, of nerve injury because of the way you're doing the injections. Um, mm -hmm. They're slightly more difficult to quantify, I would imagine, but they're in the order of 1 in 1,000 people having a temporary problem, 1 in 10,000 people having a problem that lasts slightly longer. And they're probably the most significant events that um, you counsel patients about. Okay. Um, and then moving on to the ward, obviously they're used as post-operative analgesia and can be used up, up to a number of days after an operation. And um, when we're on the wards, what, what are the common things we might encounter there in that setting? Okay. I think there are, there are several possibly myriad, but the most common things would be um, a block that wasn't sufficient for the patient's analgesic requirements, so an insufficient block. That can be a patchy block, so that there are areas within the um, surgical field that simply aren't anaesthetised or analgesed, or it can be a block that simply doesn't cover far enough of the, much enough of the body to be able to analgese the patient. Um, there can be blocks that have the converse effect that can be too high, so too much of the body is affected. Um, and that can cause knock-on effects such as difficulty in breathing and lower blood pressure. Um, they're probably the two most common mm -hmm. top common things you'll be asked to see. The other thing is, um, I know some of my colleagues certainly have been called to see patients with epidurals and they haven't passed urine for a number of hours, and that's the reason the nurse is calling them. 
Yeah. Is something is this something that's related to epidurals? It can be. It can be can be associated with epidurals and spinal urinary retention. You'll often find that patients who have had either type of neuroaxial um, anaesthetic um, will also be catheterised to for for lay that problem before it happens. Okay, um, so we've we've talked about some of the problems which can be encountered when they're inserted and also in the first few days post-operatively. Um, should we briefly talk about how, as a junior doctor, we should manage these on the ward? So starting with low blood pressure, for example, the nurse calls us, patient's got an epidural and their blood, systolic blood pressure is very low. How should we go about kind of managing this? Okay, so I think, first of all, you'd have to realise that this was a potentially emergent situation. Therefore, as a junior doctor, you should call for help. You should instruct uh, the nurse to supply oxygen and you should treat and assess the patient in a typical ABC fashion. Um, Epidurals, whilst they are um, inserted by anaesthetists and should be managed by anaesthetists, still you can do things yourself. In the ABC principle, you can give fluid, for instance. Excellent. So um, I think the key thing there is obviously they can be quite complicated and um, to call for help as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, another scenario we may encounter is a nurse phones us and says, this patient's had an epidural for the last two days, but they're suddenly complaining that they can't move their legs or maybe can't move their arms. Is this something we should be worried about? Yeah, this is a, highlights a potential serious complication of epidural anaesthesia. <clears throat> um, uh, Hematoma can form at the epidural insertion site. That unfortunately is an area where pressure can build up as a result of a hematoma and that pressure can compress the nerves, which can result in permanent nerve damage. So if there is a motor block that cannot be explained, um, such as as you describe, a new onset motor block, um, not associated with increasing doses of local anaesthetic having been given, then it should really be ringing alarm bells and you should speak to your seniors relatively rapidly because time is of the essence in trying to decompress any epidural hematoma if there is one there. So they would need rapid imaging and, and treatment if it, was, if it was necessary. Okay. And one of the other things we briefly mentioned earlier was an incomplete block. Um, is there anything we could do uh, to try and solve this as a junior doctor on the ward? This would depend upon the protocols of where you work, obviously. You may, be, um, may have had some training yourself in epidurals, Although, in, in most situations, I would counsel simply asking for a, an experienced anaesthetist to come and provide help. You may, however, find that you could simply increase the rate of the infusion in the epidural such that the local anaesthetic has greater spread and makes the patient more comfortable. There are other things that can be done, so you can inject boluses down the epidural, either manually or through the infusion device, to try and cause greater spread of the local anaesthetic over more nerve roots. Um, you can try and change the position of the patient to help facilitate the spread of the local anaesthetic um, to any nerve roots that might be missed. You can use a greater concentration of local anaesthetic, which sometimes will have a more profound effect, and you can use additives. So you could potentially use fentanyl down the epidural, uh, but you then have to be careful that you're using preservative-free drugs so that you avoid the risks of any complications. So just to clarify, I think out of all of those potential um, management options, the one which, as junior doctors, which we might be able to do is repositioning of the patient. So if we're called to see someone who has um, anaesthesia down their right-hand side but not on their left, I could simply solve the situation by asking them to go onto their left, roll on, onto their left-hand side. Yeah, correct. You should... You should that, that, the theory is that that would work in a gravity-dependent manner. You shouldn't try and be trying to do the more advanced things with an epidural yourself. You should be speaking to the anaesthetist. Okay. 
So um, I think the take-home message after everything we've spoken about really is if we're called to an epidural emergency, the key thing is to treat it as an emergency with an A, B, C, D, E approach and call early for help from an anaesthetist. Um, so to summarise, we've talked about what an epidural is, some of the indications and also some of the problems we may encounter on the ward in the first few days afterwards. Finally, we've ended with brief management options in some of those problems we may encounter. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Pleasure.